and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. <laughs> what is up? Witchbuster extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the Auction Community Studio on this Tuesday morning, Tuesday morning of cutdown day. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, how's it going? How, do, you, do you like the fact that it, I, I ask you how it's going, even though we clearly have seen each other for an hour already? Yeah, today? you know, it's it's just a salutation, isn't it? I mean, that's what it is. It's a salutation. It's a greeting. It feels like I'm pretending, hey, though, that I haven't seen you, like you just walked in. Isn't that in. amazing right there? I Don't you use that as well? It's not like you say hello to everybody you walk by here at the station, right? So you walk down the hall, and suddenly, when you see him, you don't say hello. Many times you say, hey, how you doing? Yeah. Right? I mean, which implies you care. exactly right. It's nothing more than a salutation. Okay. That's all it is. So I'll take it as such. And let's be honest. You don't always care when you say, how's it going? Yeah, well. <laughs> Not always. Depends who the person is. You don't exactly stop and listen, no. do you? That's a good observation <laughs> by you, Luke. Start well to done. answer, and I'm halfway down the hall and out the door. Your powers of Sherlockian. Uh, impressive. That's, uh, that's all I have for today. Actually, that's not true. I've got I've got the list right here, Wolf. I'm going to just sit here and check players off. I've got the, uh, the okay. Cardinals roster coming into... This is the Cardinals official roster on their site, so it still has 78 players on it. But what we have learned through the power of the internet is that Devon Kennard is off this list and Trace McSorley is off this list. Which one is a bigger surprise to you? They're actually both kind of... McSorley's the bigger go, surprise. For me, I've got to go with Devon Kennard. Really? Yes. I, I, I at to. least could see a path where they might like these younger guys more than him. I don't. I mean, you're just going with two quarterbacks. I'm assuming now you're not going with Jared Garantano. Yeah, well, you're going to go with two, but of course you're going to have three. You're going to go ahead and bring somebody on. Somebody's going to actually be signed. I would imagine to the practice squad. I. I think they hope it's going to be Trace McSorley. We'll see if Trace McSorley actually clears waivers. I, I don't know about that one right there. This was a surprise to me, both these guys being let go. But as Dave Pash will tell you right now, I had 75 guys on the <laughs> roster. Can we still play the Trace McSorley song if he's on the practice squad? Yes. Like, is there an acoustic yes. version or something? <laughs> yes, we're still playing it. Uh, all right. So at the moment, he is not on the Cardinals. Uh, that that news came down about an hour ago. This is where today gets so crazy, right, Wolf? Because if you're Jarrett Garantano, aren't you kind of hoping somebody picks up Trace McSorley? Because that increases your chances of making the Cardinals practice squad. Yes. It's just, it's a mess. It's supposed to be all sorted out by one, although with the caveat that stuff can still change, obviously, after one. And by the way, it's okay if, in fact, Jared feels that way, Garantano. It's yeah. okay if he feels that way, because this is a mercenary league. It's one of the biggest mercenary leagues in the history of humanity. It's called the NFL. This is what happens. Ultimately, you're a mercenary. You're out there, and you're trying to make your way through the league so you can support yourself and your family. Of course, that's what it's all about, man. Well, it works out better for Trace, too, if he gets picked up by an actual team. Yes. So for Jared Garantano, you can be like, hey, Trace, best of luck getting picked up by one of the other 31 teams so I can hang around on the practice squad. Also, the uh, I, I will caution people, if you're printing out the uh, the Cardinals depth chart from their site, yes. just remember it's still all flipped. Because of the, they still have the one up for the preseason games, so it's got the right players. But like I'm yes. looking at uh, at Colt McCoy as the starting quarterback, and yeah, none of these guys are in the right spot. 
DeAndre Hopkins isn't even here. Sure. So going back to Devon Kennard yeah. as well, this was a surprise to me, knowing they're looking for edge rushers, of course, and knowing that Kennard had a solid camp. Had a solid camp. Um, I never considered the fact that they would cut him. <laughs> now, now we're going to see what happens here, but... I didn't see that coming, Luke. Yeah, what is? what do you read into this? Is it, it can't just simply be, hey, we've got some young guys and we want to build for the future because you're in win-now mode. When you, when you look at a roster that who knows how long you're going to have DeAndre Hopkins at his absolute best, J.J. Watt, some of these other guys that you have, I think pretty clearly with Seattle down in this division, you are in win-now mode now. So it can't just simply be... Yeah, Kennard might be a little bit better, but these guys are more big picture future stuff. They must actually just like the other guys more. Or they asked him to take a pay cut, and he said no. Yes, um, I think he's already taken a pay cut, too. A significant pay cut, of course, this spring. He did that. So I think that's it. Um, What's interesting about this, they can still sign him to the practice squad, of course. They can sign Devon Kennard to the practice squad, and we'll see if that is something that might actually interest him at this point in time if he doesn't get picked up himself. Um, Cam Thomas, of course, had a really good preseason game number three, didn't yeah, he? Good timing. Uh, really, really good, yeah. My J. Sanders as well, I think, has flashed from time to time. I think they see a lot of good in these two young guys that they have going right now, and I also think they feel really, really good about some of the guys they have in terms of Marcus Golden. And again, Marcus Golden is still on this team. And I think all is going to be well at some point in time. They must feel all is going to be well at some point in time if, in fact, they're cutting Devon Kennard. And um, looking at some of the other guys they have right now in terms of Dennis Gardak, of course. And I would have to say Victor Demukeji. Victor Demukeji. Yeah, that probably forced the issue. Maybe the biggest surprise of training camp outside of Andy Isabella. Demukeji's got to be the defensive equivalent to Isabella, right? But Demukeji has only been here for what a year prior to this, so it's not like it's not like we I, were I saying can't yesterday. Put him in that category. How about that yeah, for because... being a producer? How about that for a producer? <laughs> okay. What category do you actually put Andy Isabella and and Victor Demukeji? I can't do it because he was a six round. If you're going to do it that way, you got to do it in the radio voice. Of. We're going to well, put him more in the categories when we come well, back. Well, that's good by you. Look, yeah, give right. me the trace back, Sorry. Um, you know, it's look. Uh, Victor D. That's your fault. You did that. Um, I love that, though. That is so good right there. We've got to keep that alive somehow. Even if he's <laughs> got to make the practice from somebody else. We got to keep that alive. Um, yeah, but Victor Demukeji, uh, once again, I love, first of all, it's hard to say, but I love it. It sounds like a football name. Demukeji. <laughs> I'm going to Demukeji you. <laughs> it does sound like you're going to pull somebody's face mask off, right? I'm going to demo just like that helmet. right there. And uh, you know what? Um, he flashed big time, of course. So they got to feel pretty good about their edge right now. How many guys are going to keep? Well, it looks like they're going to keep five. Five on the edge. out there on the edge. So this is what they have right now. You've got, you're down to 40 players on offense, 33 on defense, three on special teams. That's where you're, three additional on special teams. I'm not counting Greg Dortch twice. You know what I mean? So that's that's their roster right now. It's got to get down to 53 in the next less than three hours. Wow. Okay, that is good right there. Um, just got uh, Maloney coming into my ear saying that Isaiah Simmons has just received the green card. Yeah, I saw that. Did you see I, I, that? Well, I just saw it as you were talking. Oh, my goodness. Okay, great. More on this as the show unfolds, of course. 
But the biggest surprise, Devon Kennard and Trace McSorley right now. If you need a quarterback, you need to sign Trace McSorley. I was looking at some of the other backup quarterbacks across the league, Luke. Have you looked at some of these guys? <laughs> it's, it's quite depressing. Uh, you know, honestly, I'm thinking of the Atlanta Falcons. Do you think the Atlanta Falcons with Marcus Mariota, okay, do you think Trace McSorley could mimic some of the things that Marcus Mariota does. I thought Trace McSorley could mimic some of the stuff Kyler Murray did. Uh, yes, so that's true. I'm assuming, and and I'm reading some of these other quotes from Cliff, too, where, like, Jonathan Ward is questionable for week one. I, I mean, is was McSorley let go because they just couldn't afford to keep three quarterbacks? Are they keeping five running backs? My goodness, if they're keeping five, the Pentagon in that room, if they're keeping the running back room a Pentagon, there's only one explanation, and that is somebody's going to be traded. Yeah. They're, they're going to package somebody in a trade. To me. You know, I, we're all over the place here because there's a lot going on, but that LaVisca Chenault trade yesterday with uh, Jacksonville and Carolina, I looked at that and I was like, okay, what did, you know, what did Jacksonville get back for LaVisca Chenault? Because yeah. with all due respect to Andy Isabella, Chenault's done it in the regular season before. It was like a sixth and a seventh round pick. Did you see that? Yeah. What's going on there? So I'm assuming what? Andy Isabella's value isn't very high on the open market right Man. now, even if teams like him. Yeah, but once again, it's never going to be just Andy Isabella. It's, it's, it's got to be a pick. Never, it's it's got to be a pick. Yeah. It was about a pick and a player or two in my opinion if in fact you were going to move Andy Isabella speaking of picks 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 is back for the 2022 NFL season text pick to 62620 and sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize 75 inch TV courtesy of Corona Extra and weekly winners are going to receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers so just text pick to 62620 to enter all right Corbin Carroll made his major league debut last night and the game got crazy around him. We'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. A lot of football going on. It's going to end up being a pretty compelling week here heading into Labor Day, Wolf, because you also had one of the more memorable D-backs games in a while last night. Corbin Carroll makes his debut. Madison Bumgarner, um, <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. That, uh, that Skipping that start didn't seem to help. He got lit up. The D-backs were down 7 to nothing, And then for the first time in franchise history, they scored six runs in back-to-back innings. Yeah. For the first time in franchise history, they came back from seven down to win a game. And they actually ended up winning the game by six, 13 to seven. And Corbin Carroll not only made his debut and had to catch the, uh, a ball off the first batter's bat right at the wall to start the game. He also drove in the winning runs in this one too. (laughs) Okay. Wait a minute now. Are you fired up about Corbin Carroll? Are you fired up about this team? About this team. About this team? There's no, of course. Gotta keep your players, but I'm fired up about 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 it right now, but I, I am a little too juicy over coursing, uh, Corbin Carroll right now. So juicy, as a matter of fact. Gather on the transistor and press the ear. I, I've got to do this. I, I've got to play the disclaimer. Everything I'm going to say about Corbin Carroll needs to be weighed, measured, and found wanting. Baseball is a game of large sample sizes. Any evaluation after one game are insipid, insidious, and insane. But having said that, Corbin Carroll was fantastic. <laughs> he was. 
was absolutely fantastic. With the eyeballs of the baseball universe all over him, he delivered in his very first major league game. Are you are you kidding me? People, open the doors, step onto the elevator. We're going to the top. We're going all the way up right now on Corbin Carroll. What are the odds? I ask you, what are the odds? They're not great. You're going to play your first big league game and, oh, I don't know, drive in the winning runs <laughs> in a game where it's the biggest comeback in franchise history? Yeah, it's pretty calm Monday I, I, night, right? <laughs> typical. The very the second pitch of the game? The very first out recorded is hit to Corbin Carroll? It's not just hit to Corbin Carroll. It looked like he was going to have to climb the wall to catch it. <laughs> They were hitting everything at him. I love a parade. The tramping of feet. I love every beat. I hear of a drum. I mean, I I know. I love a parade. I'm I'm sorry. Somebody hand me the baton. (laughs) Not the disclaimer you were recording this morning. You were like, I got to go record something. I thought it was super important. You know what, honestly, just... Please fire the disclaimer one more time so people understand what's going on with me, okay? Everything I'm going to say about Corbin Carroll needs to be weighed, measured, and found wanting. Baseball is a game of large sample sizes, and the evaluation after one game are insipid, insidious, and insane. But having said that, you gotta be kidding me! God, the music is soothing. As I was watching this game last night, all I could think of, Basinonians, was the old baseball axiom that says, this game will find you. Oh, yeah, it will find you, Corbin Carroll. You got to stop it. The second pitch of the game up against the wall in right yeah, field. Yeah, not a routine fly. What? Like, you may have to pull an what? Alan Thomas here. And that it was a line a... drive to him, the double that uh, Bryce Harper hit. That was He didn't come up with it, but that would have been a really tough play, too. Oh, yeah, I know exactly. I, I mean, then he's, he's involved. He's out there his first inning of big league baseball, and the ball's all over the place around him. Yeah. Like a magnet. Like that's not, it's not normally um, like that. I'm sure you don't get to that level thinking like, hey, maybe nobody will notice me out here. But you might be like, okay, can I get through my like my first inning without any balls just lined right at me or over my head? And then he, and then he goes ahead, he leads off too. I thought that was significant. He, he let off the bottom of the third inning for his first big league at bat. <laughs> All right. I mean, he grounded out to Gene Segura, of course. Way to go, Gene. Remember Gene Segura, former Diamondback. Yeah, I would say Gene Segura didn't have a great game. Um, and now the one-two pitch and a high chopper. He can really motor. Segura's got it and throws the first in time on a bang-bang play. I just thought to myself, you're hitting in the eight hole. What are the odds you're going to lead off? You're going to lead the inning off. Your first ever at bat. Your first ever at bat. Do you think he was a little distracted maybe in that that inning (laughs) as he was out in right field thinking to himself, man, I'm... I'm gonna lead this thing off, man. Yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk to Todd Walsh, who talked to him quite a bit last night. But here's uh, here's Corbin Carroll post game talking about um, how he kept calm during his first major league game. I just was as conscious as I could be with my breathing and uh, you know, just making sure that I was I was staying calm. But it it felt like you know 
it just felt like being out there with friends. It, it was it was it was a tough game though. I would imagine to to step in and be Coleman because Bumgarner wasn't pitching well. He was getting hit hard by everybody except Segura. Oh, Segura going badly, <laughs> very badly. Segura. The reason I said he didn't have a great game is because he left like nine guys on base. But at the time, you're like, well, Philly's up seven nothing, so who cares? And then the D backs rattle off thirteen unanswered. Yeah, but once again, I thought it was so significant. What are the odds? Once again, this game will find you. It, it continues. This game will find you. He came up in the fifth inning with the bases loaded. The bases loaded, one out in a tie game. It just so happened to be a tie game. Seven to seven, bases loaded. Here we go. Hey, no pressure, Carbon. How you doing, buddy? You hanging in there? I mean, are you kidding? What are the odds of that? And then he drove the ball into the gap, went oppo to left center field, knocked two in on a double. And there were smiles all over the place. Swing and a floater. There's his first big league hit. It's going to score two. Carroll's on his way to second. He's got a two-run double. And the Diamondbacks lead at 9-7. to seven. Welcome to the big leagues, Corbin Carroll. Perfectly served out in the left center field. And he's given the Diamondbacks a 9-7 lead. They've come back from a 7-0 deficit. Yeah, and the Phillies, by the way, need these games. They're like right at the, the the fringe of making the wild card. So this is not like a, just a lazy game for them in August that doesn't matter. You're going to tell me the Diamondbacks had the largest comeback in team history yes. occur last night. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that Corbin Carroll was right in the middle of it. In his first game. <laughs> yes. What, seriously, Luke? You know what who are else? the odds of that? You, well, you know who else was right in the middle of it? Who kind of gets lost in the shuffle? Believe it or not, Stone Garrett, home run. I Couple know. Hits. Well, you know what? Stone Garrett, yeah. I, listen, I don't I don't want to diminish Stone. No, I, way, I shape or form. This is the Yesterday I was day. talking about him. 18 at-bats. you got to be kidding me, Stone Garrett. No big Eight. deal. Boy, he's just raking. Hitting 391. <laughs> That, that's good, right? Walking up to the dish with a massive rake in his hand. Stone Garrett. They didn't even play. I mean, Alec Thomas got in for like a second, but they didn't even play Alec Thomas last night because they obviously wanted to get Carroll out there, and they have Jake McCarthy, and they've got Garrett. He was, Garrett was playing the outfield. He wasn't DHing last night. This is, if you're going to rebuild, this is what you want it to look like. You want to look and say, hey, you know, we're, we're winning games, we're beating good teams, and it's all of our players for the future. And some of these guys, it's the present for this, this group already. So, uh, yeah, yeah, as, as fun of, of, as a season can be when you are seven games below 500, sure. I think this is probably it right okay. here. Everyone just settle down, okay? I mean, everything I'm going to say about Corbin Carroll needs to be weighed, measured, and found wanting. Baseball is a game of large sand. Apple sizes and the evaluation after one game are insipid, insidious, and insane. But having said that, Corbin Carroll has what Robert Jordan, do you know who Robert Jordan is, Basin audience? Okay, the Wheel of Time, great fantasy author. All right, Robert Jordan. Robert Jordan has something in his universe that he calls Taverin. Do you know what Taverin is? Do you know what it is, Luke? Are you a big Robert Jordan fan? The Wheel of Time. When you said Robert Jordan, I thought you were going to tell me Michael Jordan's second middle okay, name great. was Robert. Uh, Taverin are people whom the Wheel of Time weaves a pattern around. The threads are all things living. And Tavern are the anchors in which those living things wrap around. <laughs> right? Corbin Carroll. Robert Jordan would call Corbin Carroll Tavern. All right. 
did everyone hear the disclaimer, by the way? Did everyone understand the disclaimer and what I just said? Everything I'm going to say about Corbin Carroll needs to be weighed, measured, and found wanting. Baseball is a game of large sample sizes. Any evaluation after one game are insipid, insidious, and insane. Having said that, insidious and insane. One game. That felt good, didn't it, Corbin Carroll? That felt real good. That was just a fun game across the board. It was a fun, like, six-and-a-half-hour game, but it was a fun game. Oh, my goodness, please. I think it actually it just ended, like, ten minutes ago. <laughs> and it didn't even go to extra innings. In fact, D-backs didn't even bat in the bottom of the ninth, and it just ended. Oh, the biggest comeback in the history, in the franchise's history. And Corbin Carroll is right in the middle right of it. Right in the middle of it with the winning, driving in the, the Driving winning in run. the winning runs. What? Yeah. Not at all. You're going tonight, aren't you? I am, yeah. as a matter of fact. Here we go, better James. You got to bring your go. baton to the game. Um, no, I'll let him bring Okay, yeah, that's fine. He'll wave that. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be running behind when they do the Legends race. <laughs> Wolf's going to be on the field no. twirling a baton. No. All right, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. All right, who has 100% made the Cardinals roster already? We'll try and sift through this next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. You, uh, Hi, this is Cliff Kingsbury, and you're listening Sorry, to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. On the jog! Let's go! Cliff grinds like he is here in this building all the time. Like 4 a.m. Unbelievable coach. Great guy. He's not facing the same scrutiny. That pretty boy football they tried to tag us with so many years ago. Doesn't really talk much. Just kind of talks what he wants. And guys want to play for guys like that. You're only good as your last session. Wolf and Luke. Talk Cardinals. Now. Uh, we're going to try and make sense here of, of who is on this team. Wolf, let's see. Ready to play detective for a little bit? Um, yeah. Okay. Um, you know Benjamin's supposed to address the media, so I'm guessing he has made the team. Yes. That'd be really awkward to be like, hey, Eno, can you go out there and talk about your former team? Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and say Eno's on the team. Um, that is a good assumption right there. Eno Benjamin is going to be speaking to the media today. Do you think he's made the 53? I, yes, I is what we're going to say, I, and we're going to say that with conviction. I mean, it would be entertaining in a way if he didn't, and they still had him speak to the media. Um, take this for what it's worth, but I want to get your reaction to it, okay? Jordan Schultz tweeted out about a half hour ago, this is not like an official thing from the team, but he did tweet out Arizona Cardinals rookie Jesse Lucada has officially made the 53 per source terrific camp for the Penn State product. Wow, how about that? Man, that is big right there. It really is uh, a young guy that um, was having a good camp, no doubt, but not a lot of buzz around Lucada. Good for him, man. He just made it into the National Football League. I, I mean, is it as simple as he's on the team, Devon Kennard is not on the team? I mean, how many edge rushers are you keeping now? You're using him as an edge rusher. So, I mean, they're going to have a very, very young group of edge rushers if they go down the path. It, it appears that they're going to go down. Uh, there's also rumblings of Cliff talking about Jonathan Ward, not saying he's on the team, but but act, you know talking about his prognosis for Week One because he's dealing with the uh, the AC joint injury. So that comes back to that debate over running back. You know Connor's on the team. We can now pretty safely say Eno's on the team. If if Jonathan Ward, if if he's healthy and he's on the team, 
And then it's coming down to Keontae Ingram or Daryl Williams. Yeah, or you're going to keep five running backs. Is that it right there? But if you're keeping Jesse Locata, I mean... How many edge rushers do you keep? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Um, this is this is really interesting. What is happening? And you have to wonder. So much of this is there any possible trade that is still coming? Is there any trade that could possibly be coming down at some point in time? So I, Eno Benjamin actually spoke today about five running backs being out at practice. Definitely. Um, so hopefully this year we can uh, uh, lean on the run game a little bit. Um, we got a lot of backs back there um, who are more than capable of getting the job done. And so um, definitely excited and we'll see how it goes. He's making the assumption right there. Five running backs? Was that it? He, he didn't mention that were out five, on the field. right? He just said there were a lot of running backs out on the field, right? But the question said there were five running backs out on okay. the field. Is there room? Wow. Um, yeah. This is what you've always two. wanted, Wolf. This is <laughs> especially Running two. backs and tight ends. Um, no, fullback, of no, course, well, and a tight end, maybe. There, but there is no fullback. five, I just can't. I, 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 that blows my mind. I've, I've said this. I've been very consistent on this. Five running backs in a one-back set? Um, wow. Five deep. Now, I know special teams is important. Of course, we all understand that's the true essence of the game of football. Well, okay. Anyways, we all understand all right. that transition in special teams. It is the Where's essence of the game. It tr- no, that's not a disclaimer. Oh, right. That's just the truth. We understand. But five running backs? Wow. In a, in a one-back offense. But you feel pretty good about Ingram, Ward, and Eno on special teams. So they are at least doing, it's not like, okay, it's, it's not like, okay, here's James Conner's going to play today, and then Daryl Williams may, you know, kind of, he'll get in there a little bit too, and then maybe, you know, gets a couple carries, and then Jonathan Ward and Keontae Ingram are just standing there watching every week. Like, they're, they're going to make plays on special teams, or they're going to be out there. If they keep five, we don't know that for sure yet. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, Benjamin is definitely here. We've already put him in the, he's on the 53 category. <laughs> here. I did that after he made the catch yes, live but, on the air. I said, okay, you know, it's time for you to go sit down. Well, you did, you did do that. But so here, let's build the 53 man roster. Well, here's what we have so far for certain, you know, Benjamin and, um, that, that Jesse Lucada. There we go. Those are, those are two <laughs> okay. guys that we know for sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think there's a lot more than that. We'll be that. here all day if we have to. Um, the, the one guy, can I just say this too? The one guy that came in who was on the bubble coming into training camp was Victor Demukeji. We've already talked a little bit about him. I just don't gloss over that though. This guy, this guy went from being clearly on the bubble to suddenly where you're looking at him. And I think the Arizona Cardinals are wondering what kind of production they're going to get from Victor Demukeji. Based on how he played, not only in the games, but also how he played in training camp. Yeah, he's one of those guys that the preseason games highlighted what he was doing in camp. I mean, that's got to be the easiest player for a coach, right? When you look and you're like, oh, this guy's really getting it done in camp. And then, oh, he's actually getting it done in the preseason game, too. Andy Isabella at least would not be getting this much hype from me on this show if he didn't look right in camp, but he just had a couple big plays in a preseason game, like big deal, right? There are plenty of guys that make big plays in a preseason game, and then you never hear from them again. And as I said yesterday, I need to see Andy Isabella do it in the regular season, as do the Cardinals, but they've invested in him for three years already when he wasn't. This now, he looks like this year he, he actually could be somebody that could help them. I'm assuming he's making the team, too. I want to see how many receivers they're keeping. Man, now we have... 
you telling me there's six edge guys they're going to keep? They're going to keep six. Um, because we all know, uh, once again, it's Dennis Gardeck is here. Victor Dimukeji is here. Cameron Thomas is here. Miles Sanders. My J. Sanders, Sanders. Not is Miles here. Sanders. He's in Philly. Um, Marcus Golden. Yeah. When, when can we go ahead and like get Marcus Golden back on the team? Is that, what was the injury? A toe injury? Isn't yeah, there some sort of toe. like, it was, yeah. hey, listen, you know, toes are touchy. Uh, okay. All right. Well, toes, take it from the guy who got the blue juice underneath his toenail. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. I can't Hopefully even believe you brought that. that up right now, Mel, because honestly, that... Where's that, DK? Where's DK? That hurts so badly. You can't even imagine how bad that hurt. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but he the doesn't have Devon Kennard to pin him down now. That, <laughs> so he, that can't be... The doc came over and he jammed a base on onions right up my toenail. Stop and think about it. About an eighth of an inch underneath oh, gotta your, go to break. your toenail. And right in the end of it came up and, and jammed it up in there for turf toe. Can you imagine how bad that hurt for 2.4 seconds? It hurt badly. <laughs> Very descriptive. All right, when we come back... What can we expect from ASU this season? Their season starts in two days. We're going to ask the voice of ASU Athletics, Tim Healy. Next, it's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Uh, Doesn't that music just fill you with joy, Wolf? means college football is here. ASU gets going against NAU Thursday night, Sun Devil Stadium. Yeah, here we go. Let's go. Some real ball. All right. We are uh, joined on the Arizona Sports Line right now by the voice of ASU football, Tim Healy. Tim, thank you for the time. And uh, let's just start with this. 25 years. Did Did you ever expect that? Not at all, Luke. And by the way, this is quite an honor. This is my first Wolf and Luke interview, I think, in the history of my life. So uh, I am truly flattered to join you, gentlemen. And uh, no, I didn't. uh, I didn't think, frankly, I didn't think I'd survive my first game because my first game uh, as the voice of the Sun Devils succeeding the late, great Tom Dillon was probably one of the most excruciating losses in Arizona State football history when... uh, they lost uh, the 1998 season opener to Washington on a fourth down and 17, 63-yard touchdown pass with 28 seconds left in the game, and uh, 42-38 the final score. Not that you know, not that the loss still stings 24 and a half years later, but uh, uh, man, that was a tough way to start. But luckily, there have been a few good memories uh, in the 25 years since, uh, and uh, hopefully. Uh, more to come, hopefully the best to come. Yeah, absolutely, Timmy. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your expectations for this season overall. Well, I'll tell you what, Wolf, I'm not sure if I have any expectations. I'm, I'm kind of like Herm. Herm has said on several occasions, uh, he, he's really not sure what he's going to see tomorrow because mm-hmm. this is a football team that has 43 newcomers. Uh, and a lot of them are Division One transfers and have Division One playing experience, but uh, you just still never know how this group as a group is going to respond when the lights are bright and they take the field Thursday night. But uh, um, obviously, the, you know, the coaching staff just tries to put them in the best position to make plays and win games. But uh, my thought on this team is I do think that they have been somewhat undervalued in terms of, you know, Pac-12 media being 
uh, picking them to finish 10th in the conference. Uh, the, the conference is not going to uh, break into divisions north and south this year. It's just going to be one uh, 12-team Pac-12, and Arizona State's been picked to finish 10th ahead of only the U of A and Colorado. And I think a lot of that, a lot of those predictions and other similarly uh, pessimistic uh, prognostications, if you will, are based more on the, uh, I think the word Herm would use is noise, the noise around the program, you know, the NCAA investigation, all the guys that transferred out, uh, that sort of thing. But they don't seem to focus on the guys who transferred in. As I mentioned, 43 newcomers, a lot of them D1 transfers, and they knew what was going on at Arizona State, and yet they chose to come here and play here. And I think I think they're going to be better than some people think. I think they have a chance to be good defensively. Their defensive line, even with an injury or two right now, is a deep and talented group. And uh, I think they'll be pretty good defensively. Last year, they were the number one defense in the Pac-12. I think the whole key is going to be the offense. Can the offense uh, score enough points and generate enough oomph in the passing game to complement what I think will be hmm. a typically good uh, Herm Edwards coach run game. And we're talking to the voice of the Sun Devils, Tim Healy, joining us a couple days ahead of ASU's first game. You mentioned some of the transfers in, Tim, and it obviously starts with Emory Jones at quarterbacks, Xavier uh, Valade, the running back as well. But you know, specifically with Jones, that's a guy who has played in the SEC, and he started his college career off with a lot of expectations. ASU's schedule, you know, you've got NAU and, and you've got Eastern Michigan in week three, but they've got three ranked opponents in there as well how how big in those first few games is uh, is strong performance from emory jones to kind of get everybody rallied well i think uh emory jones is going to be a key all season long luke to tell you the truth uh he you know he's going to be the guy at quarterback and as you said he does have not only division one starting experience but uh, you know at a power program florida although florida by their standards had a down year last year in the best conference in the country the sec and he threw for over 2700 yards 19 touchdowns and more impressively he was florida's leading rusher a year ago with uh, 759 yards and averaged over five yards per rush attempt uh he's similar to Jaden daniels in that dual threat capability but uh yeah, I've watched him out at practice. He's very fluid, he's athletic, and he has a strong throwing arm. I think the question and the concern with Emory is the consistency, uh, especially on some of the intermediate throws. But uh, he's got a cannon for an arm, and I'm really anxious to watch him uh, play. I, I just, I'm just a big fan of you know dual-threat quarterbacks, quarterbacks that can hurt you with their legs as much as their arm. And Emory Jones certainly uh, falls into that category. But, uh, um, you know, hopefully with more consistency in the pass game from him, uh, he will really shine this year. And I think he needs to for Arizona State to have the season I think they are capable of having. Yeah, Timmy, you know, honestly, I'm fascinated as well with Emory Jones and watching how he, he develops right here. Talk to me, though, about what is he like as a kid? What what kind of intangibles do you think this kid has? Have you heard anything with the coaches and talking to the coaches about him? Well, Wolf, I think, Wolf, I think there's a, 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 a tremendous uh, statement to that effect in that this is a kid that only arrived in Tempe. I think it was, I think he said he got here in, sometime in May, so he wasn't here for spring ball. And uh, and so the fall camp was his first go on the field with these guys, and yet 
he was named one of the team's co-captains. Uh, that says a lot to me that in such a short period of time, he was able to establish leadership. Case Hatch, their Sun Devils outstanding fullback, told me the other day that Emery already, even with his short tenure here, is the kind of guy that, you know, if they're not doing a drill right or they didn't execute properly on a certain play on the field, he'll uh, he'll get in the ear of his teammates and tell them, you know, to clean things up, uh, not afraid to uh, speak his mind. And so I, I've been struck by the way he is, you know, quickly established himself as a team leader, already one of their five co-captains. And there's a little bit of confidence and swag to him. In fact, after I did my first interview, with Emery uh, uh, right before fall camp started. After uh, the reporter's session, I went up to him and just introduced myself, said, hi, I'm Tim Healy. I'm the radio announcer here at Arizona State. And I'll be, as I said, I'll be calling all your touchdown passes and touchdown runs this season. And he looked me in the eye and he said, well, get ready to call a bunch of them. So uh, he's got he's got a little confidence to him. And uh, um, I'm I'm really, really excited to, uh, you know, to watch him play and develop. And one of the other transfers, I think, uh, Luke, you mentioned in the lead in was uh, X. They call him X, Xavier Valade. Uh, he's, he goes by X, uh, the former Wyoming running back. And I think he's going to be a terrific player. He has been a terrific player uh, in the Mountain West at Wyoming, rushed for over almost 30 300 yards in his career, uh, the second leading rusher in Wyoming history. But uh, he's the real deal at running back. And another guy you want to keep an eye on is a guy that's been here the last two years, Daniel Ngata, who uh, didn't get a lot of running time behind uh, Rashad White and Chip Trainum the last two years. But Daniel's going to get his chance to shine. And I think he will shine this year. I think he has a chance to be a really, really good running back. Talking to Tim Healy, voice of the Sun Devils. Tim, I want to ask you about another running back who's not there anymore, but it sounds like he's going to have an increased role with the Cardinals this year. What do you remember about Eno Benjamin when he was at ASU? Oh, one of my favorite players. Um, you know, it's it was so exciting to see him get drafted by the Cardinals and be able to, you know, play here. And uh, I, I remember uh, tweeting on the draft day a couple of years ago that I think the Cardinals got a seventh-round steal. He's one of my all-time favorite uh, running backs. He had two straight thousand-yard seasons here in 18 and 19, and he ran with such energy. He was almost a violent runner. I mean, uh, very shifty, but uh, powerful as well, and uh, just really developed into a terrific running back, and he's a great person, great kid, and uh, uh, just really quickly evolved into one of my all-time favorite Sun Devil players, and I know everybody in uh, Sun Devil Nations tickled to death to see, you know, Eno playing here and uh, getting his chances with the Cardinals. Uh, but I think, uh, I think the world of him and uh, he was just a, a really, really solid running back and uh, had two huge games and the two Territorial Cup wins against Arizona that he was a part of, including the game-winning touchdown in that 2018 uh, memorable comeback win when the Devils came from 21 down in the fourth quarter to win it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about Eno, great kid and uh, terrific football player and one of the best runners that I've ever seen here. So, Timmy, how much 21 personnel is Herm actually going to use? Two backs, one tight end with Case Hatch. Look, everybody, the fullback. Oh, boy. 
Oh, Case Hatch, he's another one of my favorite players. I mean, uh, he just loves to implode on people. Uh, <laughs> uh, tremendous lead blocker. My prediction is that Case Hatch will score a touchdown this year. In fact, I think he may score multiple touchdowns this year. I think they'll throw him the ball occasionally out of the backfield. And I think you'll see a few belly plays as well uh, with Case going right up the middle. And that's a great point, Wolf, because I think – you're going to see the tight ends featured prominently in the Arizona State offense. Their new coordinator, Glenn Thomas, uh, came to ASU from UNLV. He's also coached at Baylor and Temple, but he also spent time in in the league with the Falcons and worked uh, extensively with Matt Ryan when he was uh, uh, getting started as the Falcons quarterback a few years back. And uh, I think they're going to feature the tight ends. And ASU's got three intriguing uh, tight ends, one of them, is a D1 transfer from Missouri, 6'8", 255-pound Messiah Swinson, who uh, is a very inviting target downfield, similar to what they had the last couple of years in Curtis Hodges. And then they have a kid, Jalen Conyers, who uh, transferred last year from Oklahoma. He caught six passes a year ago, but I think he'll be a a featured uh, target as well. And then they brought in one of the top JUCO tight ends in the country, 6'5", 255-pound Bryce Pierre, out of uh, Mount Sac Junior College in Southern California. So I think uh, because there isn't that go-to guy in the wide receiver core like ASU had in the past with Brandon Ayuk and Nikhil Harry, I think the tight ends will be a prominent part of the offense this year. In fact, uh, uh, Jalen Conyers, one of their tight ends, told me earlier in the uh, fall camp that uh, they're trying. The Devils tight ends want to become as important to their offense as Utah Utah has uh, terrific tight ends and have been, they've been a big part of their offense and their success in uh, winning the Pac-12 championship last year. And I think the tight ends at Arizona State hope to become as big a part of the Sun Devil offense this year. Tim, if you're going to come on here and talk about tight ends and fullbacks, Wolf's going to want you on like every day. So just be aware of that. Thank you. Well, that, that was kind of my hope. You oh. know, I was sort of uh, <laughs> playing that angle, if you will, you know, because I've, I've missed the visits with uh, you guys. Remember, I know Wolf probably probably remembers years ago when I used to truck in there at uh, bright and early in the morning and we'd all uh, interview coach Erickson a few years back. And, uh, uh, and then I go get my cup of coffee afterwards, but uh, those were great memories. And uh, it really is uh, fun to visit with you guys. Timmy, thank you, man. Appreciate you, brother. You too, Wolf. Thanks a lot, Tim. Congratulations on 25, man. Have a good one. Take care. All right, that's Tim Healy, voice of the Sun Devils, joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right there. When we come back, back to Cardinals. Rondale Moore is going to be a big part of this team. Just how big? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.